It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode number 317 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Pleasure to be back. I am Steve Forney. Uh, took a week or so off with some things going on, but I am happy to be back. As always, Mark Allred is in the building as well. What's up, Mark? How are you, pal? What's up, Steve? Great to have you back, man. Hope you had a nice week off with the fam and uh, doing the, the the dad thing and so on. And uh, glad to, I mean, have you back talking bees. But it's just been one of those times, you know, the the ridiculous NHL bye week just plagues this uh, fan base as usual. Um, I wish they would stop doing this. Uh, I don't like the bye week. I just think that any, anything I, I get that the t- uh, players need some rest and so on. I totally understand that. But 
by having these types of things throughout the NHL is this is exactly what congests the schedule and so many back-to-backs and so on. It's crazy, but I'm sure we'll talk about that later on, Steve. I'm uh, just going off because it's been a long 10 days and, and, and it's just like, I'm, I'm almost deprived of what to talk about, but we're back and we have a bunch of things to, to go through on the agenda. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, of course, as always, our episode is powered by betonline.ag. Uh, use that promo code CLNS50. Obviously, it's Super Bowl Sunday, so uh, I'm sure there'll be some money flying around. So uh, uh, if you could uh, throw that in there for us as well, that'd be great. Um, we do have a listener hotline number as well, 978-504-2727. If you have anything that you want to talk about or any hot takes or uh, questions, feel free to give us a call. We'll play them on next week's episode, and we can answer your questions. Also, we do have uh, some Twitter action as well. Um, you can always hashtag ask, ask BNG, A-S-K-B-N-G. Uh, we do have some Twitter questions that came up this week uh, that we'll get to later on in the show as well. Um, yeah, real quick, it was nice to, uh, it was my daughter's uh, third birthday. So we had we had a birthday party at a trampoline park, which is just a stress-inducing <laughs> nightmare. And then uh, like three days later, we had a uh, another birthday party at a bowling alley that was BYOB. And oh boy. let me tell you, that is the way to do it. I was like, can I have my birthday party here? Like, yeah, nice. tablecloths and stuff, because I'll just go that's, back on my birthday. But, um, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, prioritizing and trying to just keep the family happy, keep the kids happy. And with that, Mark, next Sunday uh, is uh, February break for us teachers. I'm going to Disney World. So Yeah, well, it's actually it actually works out because I'm actually traveling to Providence. I'm oh, covering nice. the uh, I'm covering the Providence Bruins game on Friday night uh, this week, and I'm covering the game on Sunday afternoon. And um, I'm probably going to be traveling to either Hartford if I can get credentials there, or I'm going to go up to Boston and uh, try to see if I can cover the uh, Islanders game if I get credentials there. So busy weekend for me going yeah. back and forth uh, from somewhere. So yeah, so that kind of works out good. I mean, nice. we should probably do a do a show sometime uh, before before the weekend. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'll be around. I'll be around. So, like Saturday morning or Sunday morning, we take off. Um, so yeah, I'm around all before that. You know, we can certainly make that work. Um, all right. So obviously, lots to get to today. And real quick, we're going to talk about the Capitals game yesterday. Um, a two-one loss in regulation. Now they've lost four out of five. Everyone's kind of freaking out a little bit. Um, we can, uh, recap a little bit of the all-star festivities, not a ton to get to, but it is going to be in uh, Toronto next season. It's a good question. When are we going to actually get one? It feels like, uh, it's been a way too long. Um, are the Bruins going to go play in Australia? Uh, that's an interesting question that's been brought up. Um, we got to talk about the latest of Jake DeBrusque, Jacob Chitrin, your boy, uh, Merkulov's having a time down there in Providence. So oh, um, yeah. all kinds of stuff that we want to get to today. Um, but I guess we'll start with yesterday's game, Mark. What are some of your thoughts on the uh, uh, the loss to the Capitals, two to one? You know, I, I Steve, I almost I hate doing this. I really hate doing this. But it, a lot of the longtime listeners that know me know that I'm always I'm always getting schedule losses, and I freaking hate saying that because I I don't like when the Bruins lose. It's never a fun time, regardless. But it just seems like with a lot of rest, this Boston Bruins team is just unprepared. You know, when they come when they finally come back from either a three day break or a week break or a 10 day break. Um, And it was kind of frustrating to see that yesterday. I thought that that was a winnable game against the Capitals. 
Uh, they got, I mean, Darcy Kemper was really hot in that game. He was outstanding, actually. Um, but I think that the Bruins, if they just had that extra, they could have gotten that W yesterday. Um, lots of, uh, it's just rust. It was just a lot of rust, in my opinion. Like, I, I passed an act, giving the puck up again. Oh, several times in that game was frustrating to watch. Um, Taylor Hall, you know, normally he's really good at tape to tape passes. Uh, I mean, a pass across the ice went actually behind the player. I was really shocked by that. I was I was shocked by a lot of things that I saw yesterday, but but it's just the rust. I mean, the rust factor, and I just think that there was too much time off, and and I think that Tuesday night in Dallas is the time that this team needs to get back on the track and start playing a very aggressive playoff style grinding game and get back to it and forget about this loss and move on. Uh, they, I mean, besides that, that bump in the road in the season when they lost three in a row, I mean, that was the first time they've lost back-to-back games all year. So, I mean, this is the time to get back on that trend. If you lose one, you got to get back on the next one and bust your ass. Yeah, I, I mean, the rust was totally there. I don't know what it was. It seemed to me like guys couldn't hold on to their sticks. I felt like there, there was always guys just dropping their sticks, which was uncharacteristic. Um, one thing that is continually characteristic, which kind of ticked me off a little bit, were the penalties. I mean, you're yeah. rusty. You haven't played in a while. You get three penalties in the first five minutes of the game. Dumb, stupid penalties. All right, I've never, I can't even skate, never played a lick of hockey. I know you can't take your teammate's stick and pass it back to him with your stick. You can't do that, Hampus Lindholm. Dumb penalty. Right. So Brad Marchand, you can't slash the goalie when you're crashing the net. Uh, a lazy penalty by Charlie Coyle. So you're not even five minutes in the game. You're, you're down five on three. You give up a goal. You're down one nothing. You're already in the hole um, before the game, you know, really even takes shape, before you've even worked off the rust. So, you know, these are when I feel like every week I'm complaining about the penalties. It's one of the few things that I've, I've had an issue with Murray so undisciplined and you know again Patrice Bergeron out there on a five on three killing penalties wasting minutes that he could be playing on the offensive side of the puck so five minutes in three penalties unacceptable Uh, no matter how much time you've had off um, that is that's that's unacceptable and we mentioned Kemper Um, you know he did he had 27 uh, saves but it's uncharacteristic they only had 28 shots I mean usually this team's up to 30, 35, you know, usually in that range. And that was a low number two. So um, I thought Kemper was very vulnerable. I know he hasn't been playing very well. Um, And I thought they had an opportunity there to really keep firing pucks on him, get some rebounds. I liked there were certain times where a guy like Tred Frederick was getting it in the zone, shooting it low, looking for rebounds. Like that to me is the strategy. Crash the net, shoot low, get a rebound, you know, cause a little chaos. And I just, I didn't see a lot of that. I saw, you know, Pasternak passing up on a lot of shots, um, trying to make the extra pass uh, all across the board, like you mentioned. So, yeah, the rust was there. The sticks weren't tape to tape. Um, And if you want to have a little bit of concern, I don't mind saying that when the Bruins are at their best and they're playing teams that aren't very good, it's it's the wagon we've been seeing. But if you're not going to bring your A game against, you know, Carolina, Washington, Tampa, Rangers, and the playoffs come around, you could be in a tough spot. And I know it's Stanley Cup or bust, but you cannot play that way against teams that like Washington. I mean, they're 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 too skilled, they're too smart, they're too savvy, they're gonna beat you. 
So um, they need to they need to to play consistently to their level that they can, especially against these good teams. If you if you're not playing well against Columbus, you can probably still squeak out a win, but you just you can't do it against these these other teams that are really good. And so that's where I think I think some of the issue came. Yeah, and when talking about the postseason, and it's coming fast, folks. You know, it it'd be a snap of the fingers. It's going to be April, and we're turning a, turning a leaf and trying to, you know, um, figure out who we're going to play in the first round. But my biggest thing about these past couple games against teams that you're mentioning, Steve, teams that are going to grind on you in a playoff-style game, is your power play. You might not, you might not, you know, be do well against other teams like you mentioned five on five. But you've got to capitalize on the power play. And I love what you mentioned about the overpassing. When you do have that man advantage, that the and I always call it the Hoosiers, pass it 11 times before you take a shot. You need to stop doing that. If you have an opportunity and you see daylight somewhere, I know Darcy Kemper is a big goaltender, but if you see something there, at least get a shot on. And, and hopefully a guy like Felino. And shout out to him for being at the right place at the right time yesterday with that net front presence um, to be there for the, you know a scrappy goal and, and to beat a bigger goaltender that was like really a brick wall yesterday. So, I mean, power plays has got to get better. I'm writing an article about how um, Jim Montgomery and and how he can can work on the power play on the stretch coming down to the postseason and how important it's really going to be uh, because you know. If, if you're not going to address your bigger needs and your physicality, then you have to address how you put the puck in the net and how often it gets on net. Um, and I, I want to see more from the defense. Uh, we've seen, uh, you know, them pinching all season with shots and, and you know, uh, in goals. So uh, it just all around offense has got to be much better, uh, whether it come from the backside or the, uh, or up front. So it's just got to, you got to get more opportunities and just fire it on net. I mean, just don't wait for that perfect shot. What were your thoughts of the of the broadcast? I know we don't usually get Sean McDonough and and Ray Ferraro and Emily Kaplan and Butchie Gross and all those guys. I I just felt super underwhelmed by the ESPN broadcast. I I wasn't overly impressed myself. It, I felt like I was watching a game in preschool, like like. I don't know. Maybe it's because we're we're an intelligent fan base and we have the internet at our hands and we have the stats and so on. But it felt like they were really teaching the game to new fans, and I I, I really I, I didn't really appreciate that. And at the time, I know that you're going to go off on the time and everything. Um, you know, if you're a national program and, and it's a national broadcast, I mean, uh, plan accordingly on when you're supposed to start and so on. But um, I, I, I really didn't enjoy it at all. I mean, I just I basically just watched the game and kind of tune out the uh, the the play by play anyway. But um, yeah, it was kind of ridiculous, but it made it for a pretty long uh, afternoon. I mean, I, I like I I can't believe I'm saying is I miss Jack Edwards. Like I miss somebody calling the game and and not having these stupid, goofy uh, Adobe you know graphics of the you know let's go to the Capitals on the on the Ferris wheel or the you know the. Uh, the freaking roller coaster, like, well, we sort of, and then how many times are you gonna show the graphic of the Bruins little Bruins cartoon with the number on the back of how many wins they had? Like, just get that's all what I was talking about. It, it was, it was like <laughs> watching the magic school bus. Like, what are we doing? Um, and I, I get that you want to teach the game to a new audience. I think ESPN is like, well, people don't understand hockey, that's part of the problem, but like, 
Like I got no oh. benefit. I got no benefit from them putting um like whenever somebody would have the puck, they'd put their name above it and then they'd pass it and then they'd move the thing. Like like EA, just leave it to EA Sports. Like that that looked like a jumbled hot mess. Like yeah. there's three players, there's this thing coming off with their name, and you can't tell who it is, and then the graphics switch. It's just leave it alone. If if you want to put a little a little gray shadow on the puck so we can follow the puck, that's fine. But they don't need to know that Hampus Lindholm has the puck. Just let it be from player to player and leave that up to the commentator to say Hampus Lindholm with the puck. Like, yep. um, I, I, th- I thought it was, was very childish. Uh, like you said, I thought it was amateur hour. Um, side note. I, I think that's why a guy like a guy like Tom Brady is going to suck at doing commentary because he needs to take his wealth of knowledge. That's way up here and dumb it down to, you know, mom and pop sitting on the couch at home. And I don't think he can do it. And right. And that's that's sort of I think that well, I think there's a big problem with broadcasting now. And I think that's part of it is understanding that balance. It doesn't need to be at a 12th grade reading level and it doesn't need to be at a third grade reading level. You got to find somewhere in the middle when you're doing a broadcast. And yeah, I mean, real quick, I I just I know it's because I've worked in media for a long time, but the five o'clock news cannot come at 459 or 502. It comes at five. All right. The, the, a commercial that I make a 30 second commercial isn't, can't be 28 seconds. It can't be 32 seconds. It's 30 seconds. When you tell me the game is at three 30, the game should be on at three 30, not three 42, not three 46. And then they go back to Bucci Gross and the, you know, it's three 40 Bucci Gross. Boy, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see this game. Yeah, me too. Cause it should have started <laughs> 10 freaking minutes ago, dude. Like, you wonder why the ratings are down 22%. Maybe it's because people are like, oh, there's hockey on. They put the TV on at 3.30. They give it five minutes because nobody has an attention span anymore. And they're like, you know what? I'll go watch college basketball. I'll go watch something else. It's 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 a turnoff. It makes, quite frankly, it makes me feel like so, uh, so dumb. I was halfway through my plate of nachos before the game even started. And then, and I just, I don't know why. Like, you know, like, hey, guys. We're gonna say it's three thirty, but it's really not three thirty. <laughs> like, what's the secret? Tell me what time the game is starting. You know, I, right. I laugh at baseball. It's like the game's gonna start at seven oh seven. Thank you, seven oh seven, not seven oh four, not seven ten, seven oh seven. You know, and and behind the scenes, like when we work the Bruins games, everything is so timed out. We work Thunderbirds games, seven oh five. The puck drops. I need to have the rosters. I need to have the starting lineups. Anthem. Puck drops, all those things have to get done. So we're ready to go at 7.05. And I, I know it's not, I know it's ESPN. It's not the Bruins, but right. ESPN tells the Bruins it's going to be a 3.42 puck drop and they plan accordingly and they make it at that time. Why ESPN do you, do you do that? It, it's such a turnoff when your ratings are in the crapper for stuff like this. Th- this is part of the problem. And, and people don't have the attention span to sit there and watch Again, I'd rather watch paint dry than listen to Chelios and Messier, who, again, bring nothing to the table. Nothing. Because they're not broadcasters, and they're just, what do you think about that, Chels? And he doesn't say anything. It was awful. It was it was awful. So uh, if you're wondering why your ratings are down, Nesson, tell us what time the freaking game's going to start so I can be ready to go. That's just, yeah. it drives me bananas. So, yeah, it was it was very amateurish, in my opinion, when it comes to ESPN, and, and kind of makes you wonder... If that, if that break from hockey is just that decade or or twenty years, whatever it was, away from hockey is just like catching up with them. You know what I mean? 
I mean, I thought, that, I thought to myself, I wonder if they're just, if they got the rights just so they can sabotage hockey. I know they hated hockey for years. They're like, hockey's yeah. getting too popular. We should buy the rights and then drive it to the ground. I mean, I, yep. I just, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing, but it, it quite frankly, the product sucks. So, yep. Well, um, I totally agree. It's got to get better and so on. I'm, and when I'm wishing for Jack Edwards, that's when, you know, you got a problem. <laughs> really. I mean, that's when we have a panic button. <laughs> Jesus. So um so uh yeah they lose to the capitals there uh they do take a quick little road trip like you said they're going to dallas um dallas is playing really well if i'm not mistaken they are first in their division yeah uh, contender out in the west steve yeah contender out in the west so they're playing really good that's gonna be a tough one then they go down to nashville um i'll be curious uh keep my eyes on a guy like matthias ekholm i think is his name the defenseman love to see him from bruins all this jacob Chikrin talk, which we'll get to. Uh, I love a guy like Ekholm. I know, I feel like we say it every other year, but um, love to have a guy like that. Yeah, uh, very Swiss Army knife kind of defenseman. Uh, and, and really, you know, I think the Bruins could possibly do something if you uh, if you do go down and talk to. Uh, I don't remember the GM's name now, um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to have a, a, a defenseman like him. Uh, kind of plays that Ryan Ellis type of uh, style that used to have before Ryan Ellis went to Philadelphia and then kind of lost his career from there. But um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Lindholm. Uh, it'd be kind of funny to have a Lindholm Lindholm. Uh, Talk about <laughs> Jack Edwards. Jack oh my yeah, God. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Too much to handle. Going crazy. Yeah, exactly. But no, no, I think he'd be a good, a good fit here. And, you know, uh, it, it probably cost a little bit, but just like chicken, we'll talk about it later. It's, you know, you gotta, you gotta give to get. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, while we're at it, I mean, the Bruins have lost four or five now. Um, again, it, it's, it's, I, I always, when you have whatever it is, 10 days off, I never like to look at it. Like we've lost four to five. Well, no, you've lost one since the break. Like, I don't really think the momentum carries over, over a, a 10 day break or whatever it is, but um you know, based on the on the stat sheet, it is four or five, and I think fans are starting to freak out a little bit. Um, has there anything that you've seen that you think could, you know, could use a little improvement or something that maybe isn't clicking that was clicking before that they need to work on? Um, you know, besides, like you mentioned, the passing and, and, and the sharpness, I, I'd suppose. But um, what are you looking at over the last uh, couple of games that, that might give you a little concern, Mark? Um, the quality of shots. And 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 the and the the lack of finishing um, is my biggest concern. And it, you know, when you play against teams like Tampa Bay, St. Louis, and well, not St. Louis, but you know, Carolina, and uh, and other teams in the East, I don't know. That's a that's a real tough one because there's so many things I'm thinking about in my head right now about how things can be better, and 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 explaining them is a little difficult. <laughs> to be honest with well, you. Well, I mean, like I, I maybe it's I'm, a I'm 10 kinda, day break. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm kind of like you, like it's, it's the sharpness, like when they're on passes or tape to tape, um, you know, how many times yesterday was somebody making a, a bit of a blind pass, assuming that the other guy was there and they weren't there. They were two or three steps over, or they were going for a line change or they're doing something else or pucks rolling off of sticks or passes that were just out of reach. Like it was just that this, in that sport, it's it's always it's a it's a game of inches, you know. And yeah. and if 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 the cohesion isn't there between forwards and defensemen, or if you know, uh, like nothing I hate more than the blind pass to nowhere. 
You know, there's a lot yeah. of blind passes to nowhere yesterday. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm sort of with you in terms of just the sharpness, just knowing where you are, know where your teammates are, know where you're supposed to be, make the passes that you need to make. I mean, there was a couple of them that were just, there were just a pass directly to a Washington guy. It's like, what did you see there? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So I, I, that's sort of where I am is just sharpness. I, I think they just got to sink into what, what they were doing before this, like this little speed bump they're having right now in the, in the four or five games that they played, we're hitting adversity in the middle, you know, pretty much a little past the middle of the year. But I think this is a good time for it to happen. If, if there is a good time, I, I don't want to see it. I didn't want to see this happen. Like, um, you know, at the beginning of the season when we all thought it could happen with uh, McAvoy out and, and uh, Grizzlick and, and Marshan and so on. But I don't want to see it like the last two weeks of the season either when you're trying to prepare for a first round matchup. So um, I think that I, I still I still feel confident that this team can get back to where it was. I just think that maybe it's going to take a little bit of Jim Montgomery to be not that players type of coach to kind of get it out of them because it has been a bit of a stretch and it I'm not going to say it's not a concern you know but and I know a lot of fans are, are, are freaking out about it but I just think step back a little bit and just kind of relax until we get you know possibly you know 10 games into it and we're really seeing something bad that we need to like pull a trigger and and possibly change the chemistry up with a trade I mean I mean anything could happen from now to the March 3rd to be honest with you yeah, I mean, and and a lot of it, um, I mean, we kind of—it's a long season, right? We kind of knew they weren't going to play that lights out for 82 games. It's just—it's just impossible. But you know, you mentioned a change and sh- shaking things up, and I wonder how much getting a guy like DeBrusque back, not only on the ice but in the locker room. I, those guys just really enjoy his personality, and um, I think that'll even out the lines a little more just based on consistency. I—I I, I don't know about you, but the bottom six yesterday surprised me a little bit with maybe I just haven't been paying attention to it with, with Frederick going down to the fourth line. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing Craig Smith up on the top line, which I, I, I describe it as cute. Like that's cute. Yeah. But <laughs> you know, how, how long is that viable? Um, you know, compared to when DeBrusque was up there playing, um, you know, you put DeBrusque back on that top line and then you let the rest of the, of the, the lines sort of fill themselves out. So um you know, without even making a major move, I wonder how much just the return of DeBrusque in, I assume he's going to be on the road trip. Maybe, as long as the Bruins flight to Dallas doesn't get canceled. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> like, I wonder just how much him coming back is going to help with all those things we're talking about. I, I think it is. I think I, you know, hopefully he's healthy enough to come back to um, as it is right now or, or on Friday, um, he showed up to practice late. It was excused, uh, like a cancel, like you said. And but when he went to practice on Friday, uh, he was wearing a red no contact jersey. So, uh, I don't think he was getting in the lineup last night, even if he was two days late, <laughs> you know, from yeah. Edmonton. So, um, I, I think that they, uh, more precautionary and so on, um, with the travel and blah blah blah. So, uh, I think that the idea is possibly to get him into Dallas on a Wednesday night and uh, and see, see where we go from there. Um, but, yeah, I think that, you know, uh, if he can get back on the ice and jump right back to where he was, I think it 
it isn't an inspirational jump to this uh, Boston Bruins offense and what they've done all season. So, you know, he might spark some, uh, some other players that might need it in this, in this little bit of a stretch. Um, but yeah, you can't, can't get enough scoring. And, and when it comes from a, a turnaround player like that, that's, that's, you know, seamlessly on uh, on a mission to, you know, get back to better days from, you know, not so good days in the Boston Bruins organization via asking for a trade, you know, uh, gets a spark out of everybody and, and comes down and hopefully, you know, he's a big part of the, uh, of, of a playoff series or a long playoff run. You know, I mean, we've seen what he can do against teams like Toronto in the playoffs back in the day. So hopefully I, we get to see that Jake to but but I'm, I'm happy to see him back. I'm happy to see that he's like, somewhat at a hundred percent and ready to go. So, and, and, and shout out to, I'm going to, I just keep thinking about uh, the winter classic. Every time I talk about Jake Dabrowski and how much of a, a warrior it is to get two goals while you have a fractured freaking fibula. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, that was, that was awesome. Um, I, I mean, I think people questioned his toughness over the years and I don't think anybody's questioning it now. Um, exactly. That was pretty exactly. amazing. And, you know, the nice thing, I guess, coming out of the game yesterday and I guess keeping it strictly to the game yesterday, I didn't all the things we're talking about are not on the back end. Um, You give up a five on three goal. You can't blame that on the defense. You give up. uh, I mean, you can give that shot to Garnett Hathaway 99 more times. I don't think he's putting it in the same spot. I mean, that was just a a beautiful rip. Um, And did that change direction? You only scored two of them. So it's not like it's like they, they gave up six goals here, you know? Did the Hathaway goal score, uh, um, change direction? Because I, when I saw him like, like release that, and then it got to where the camera angle was like near a Bruins body, it almost like kind of started like doing the, the flutter where I think Jeremy Swayman was just just didn't have a, a, um, a correct eye on it because it was moving in a different direction. But I'll have to look at the video again. But I thought I saw it moving. Yeah, well, good luck because ESPN had shit camera angles for that too. Freaking guys, <laughs> unbelievable! Oh god. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've, uh, I've given the defense a, a tough time here, and um, you know, I, I talk about a guy like Grizzlick, but I had no complaints. I had no complaints in the back end or Swayman. I thought, I thought he was fine. So, um, so interesting. We'll see if they can turn it around here coming up uh, against Dallas. Again, that game is Valentine's Day, right? Tuesday. So, yep. Um. So we'll uh, we'll take a look at that one when the time comes, which is great. A uh, couple sort of outside of the box things here. Uh, I guess we can start with the NHL All-Star game going to Toronto. Um, yeah, it feels like it's been, I, I like to say, 1991. I think my dad went and left me at home. Uh, thanks, Dad. Um, but uh, that was at the Fleet Center. Uh, I'll tell you what the best, I mean, it was one of the best moments I've had as a pro was working the 2019 AHL All-Star game in Springfield. That was just an absolute blast. Um, you know, will it come to Boston? And quite frankly, is it even worth it? I mean, we saw how much of a, of a, just a gong show it was down in Florida this year it was just an un- borderline unwatchable product. Is it even worth it? Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking that the Toronto festivities in 2024 are going to be much better. Um, and more, more dedicated to everybody. This was the NHL all side game for me was very childish in my opinion. It was just it it really catered to the younger folk and so on, which is fine when you're looking at when you're trying to market. But the NHL doesn't market very well, and we're seeing right. a great example of that in, in these festivities. So 
I think that a lot of people have uh, reached out. A lot of important people have reached out and said, let's try to bring it back to a more traditional type of all-star you know, game and, and, and uh, uh, competition when you're talking about the skills and so on. Um, and then we'll go from there. You know, I, I just think the NHL needs to be better. Um, and, and hopefully Toronto, it, it is a big scene. So, you know, if they do this up in Toronto next season, it's probably not going to be very well for the NHL. Um, the skills competition, I watched a little bit. I was just, um, I was blown away by how stupid a lot of this shit was. Um, but not only that, but normally the skills competition is what draws a lot of people. That's basically your 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 sellout and so on. And there was hardly anybody in the stand. So uh, I know Toronto is definitely going to be a different, um, you know, scenery when it comes to uh, fan attendance. Um, but yeah, I, I when you're talking about Boston, it's just, it's been so long since a draft has been in Boston. It's been so long since an all-star game has been in Boston and it almost feels like it's personal. Uh, you know, the, the Bruins in the, in the league just don't have a very good relationship. Um, and that's sad because Boston is one of the best markets for hockey in the, in the, in the country, you know, and I think it would, I think it would do good here. You know, obviously not the, the dog and pony show that we saw down in Florida uh, last weekend, but, I think if you do it more traditional and so on, and you keep it more to the hockey and, you know, what they've done in the past, I think Boston could be very, a very good spot for, for festivities like that. Yeah. I think it's weird that, you know, they, they give us so many of the, of the uh, winter classics. I mean, we've had like three of these now, and it's almost like they have this feeling of like, well, you got the winter classic, so you don't need any more of these other things. But even the winter classic to me felt, it felt more about, it felt more about John Henry and his Pittsburgh Penguins <laughs> and LeBron James than it did about the Bruins. It was about Pittsburgh. It was it was about John Henry. It wasn't about the Bruins yeah. necessarily. It wasn't about Boston. It was about baseball at Fenway. They came out with their cute little baseball jerseys. Like it wasn't about Boston or the Bruins. And you know, Mark, to your point, I think a part of it is the NHL is so focused on building up other fan bases that they ignore the fan bases that are already in place. Like they know win or lose first place, last place, Bruin fans aren't going anywhere. You know um, there's maybe what three or four of those other markets. I mean, I assume Minnesota, you know uh, the Rangers, although the Rangers are different because it is New York city. So they're happy to go to New York city anytime. Um, But I think it's, they're, they're reached a point where they're like, well, we already have Boston. We don't need them anymore. It's like, it's like when I went to college, I remember as soon as I got to college, they were like, oh, you're here? Awesome, cool. We don't really care about you anymore. We're worried about getting more. We're worried about the next group of freshmen. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. we got your money. <laughs> now we got to go get somebody else's money. It's sort of that same that same thing where, like, they know we're always going to be here, so we don't need to give them anything, like, special. Like, let's put it in Columbus and Arizona and all these other fan bases that they're trying to grow. So maybe that's a part of it is they just – it's not necessarily a bad relationship. It's just no, they know we're not going anywhere. What was what was recently? Um, there was a word that the league was interested in in, um, in doing an outdoor game, in I want to say it was somewhere in Florida. I was going to say it was Miami. I was going to say I think it's where the Dolphins play. Is it Raymond James? Yeah, somewhere down there. And I was just and but they're looking at logistics and and if ice can if ice can be sustained down there. I was like, you just. I think the league, like you said, the league is just reaching too much to get fans from out of traditional markets. 
you know when like and like I, I remember just... I, I, again i'm not from you know northern canada but like outdoor hockey is about snow and cold and pushing exactly. you know making snow banks instead of boards it's not about south beach and yes. like I loved that they had that roller roller hockey thing. I used to be on ESPN two back in the nineties. Oh, I love that. The beach league. Whatever that. That, was. that was yeah. awesome. You want to bring that back with some yeah. roller blades and a ball. I'm totally cool with that, but you don't need an, yeah. an outdoor game in Miami defeats the purpose of what the allure of outdoor hockey has always been, which is exactly, you know, that, that one in Buffalo, I might've been the first one ever where it was snowing in, in, in Pittsburgh, you know, against Pittsburgh. And, yep you know, they had to have breaks so they could shovel the ice and like that is outdoor <laughs> hockey. That's what it's all about. And maybe that's selfish as a new Englander, but there's no reason it should go any further South than, you know, Nashville, Chicago. Exactly. Like, that should be, that should be the, the border. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, interesting. Well uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with all that. I will say, I, I thought the AHL all-star uh, skills competition was great. I was watching that going, man, this is better than the NHL one. Like, uh, so shout out to those guys. And, um, just real quick, one last thing, go back to five on five, 20 minute, three periods. None of this tournament three on three bull crap. We five on five. I want to see a line made of, uh, of Ovechkin and Bergeron and, you know, uh, pick your guy, Tage Thompson, all on a line. I you know, I want to go back to that five on five. You'll still score 20 goals, you know, um, oh, but yeah. I, I think like you said, keep it more traditional. So, oh, um, yeah. as we're looking at it too, uh, speaking of, we give Boston everything, but the all-star game, uh, rumors that the Bruins are going to go play a game in Australia. Talk about reaching by the league. Uh, <laughs> is that too far of a reach for you, Mark? Absolutely not. And I'm totally on board with this. Um, I, I, I actually enjoy these games. Um, and now here's where I, I, I kind of. I'm on the fence with, with the league and, and these games that are outside of North America. Um, if you keep them preseason, I'm all about it. If you make them regular season, I'm not too happy because some or some um, area in North America is losing one game that they could be sitting watching uh, for themselves. So I, I think it's kind of selfish for the league and, and each team that participate in regular season games in other countries uh, you know, that's just my opinion. But preseason games leading up to the a new campaign, absolutely. And if you do it in, accordingly uh, with with flight times and so on and how much, because I think that's a 22-hour flight, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, it, it, there's, a, there's a lot of things that need to be worked out right now. But if people don't know, there is hockey in Australia. There is a uh, semi-professional league. It's called the Australian Ice Hockey League, and they've been running since I believe 2000. They have they've um, increased their number to 10 teams. They play um, in the winter time, obviously, but their winters uh, are season starts of April to September. So th- that's where I I watch a lot of Australian hockey during the summer. That's I'll cool. stay up at three o'clock in the morning and I'll watch some of these games. Is it the best? quality hockey not really but it's something and it's also a great place for younger europeans to go and play um during the summer and and then and when they're done they go back to their, their their home teams and they play their regular seasons over in europe so it's a great developmental league as well um so you know a player can play year round 
if, if you wanted to. Jesse Gabriel, a former Boston Bruins um, uh, prospect, he played over there. Um, and even I went to high school uh, with a, with a um, I played hockey and went to high school with uh, Ryan Johnson. And he played in Australia for the CBR Brave in Canberra. So uh, it's pretty cool ties. I think it could happen. Believe it or not, Jeremy Jacobs does own an arena in uh, Australia. He owns the arena and the um, and the oh, concession. So that's so, why they're going. See, follow the money. Yeah. I was wondering why. Exactly, exactly. Follow the money. But but that's the league. The league is interested in going to Australia. I will say that RA from uh, and that's Rear Admiral. Follow him on Twitter at Rear Ads Blog. Um, and he's uh, the host of the Spit and Chicklets podcast. He's the one that actually broke the news that the Bruins were going to be a team that gets considered to go to these festivities. So the the league going to Australia has been known since October of 2022. The Bruins going to Australia and participating in these games has been known for about a month and maybe a month since RA said that. So. Shout out to R.A. I wanted to give him credit for that because a lot of people are, are not giving them the credit for saying it publicly on that podcast. And hey, quick shout out to Nathan Walker, former Springfield Thunderbird, who is from Australia. He's Australian born. Yeah. He's the only Aussie in the league. So, um, And uh, the first nice drafted Australian as well. There's, a, there's another Australian uh, in the league now because once Nathan Walker broke the ice for Aussies to, to you know, come out of the Southern Hemisphere and work their way to North America. And uh, even Nathan Walker played over in Europe for the Czech Republic, uh, a Czech Republic team back in the day. So, you know, he's one of those benefits of, of playing year round and developing your skills and, you know, preparing yourself for professional hockey, whether it be in the AHL or the NHL. And he's uh, Nathan Walker is currently a St. Louis Blue. So with that, with that, would a Bruins and St. Louis uh, matchup happen? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I think wherever he ends up, you, you send that team out there, too. Absolutely. Um Sure. I will say really quick too. I I always think back to the 2008 Celtics, who say that they all came. To, they their preseason was in Italy. They did a, like a two weeks in Rome, and they saw the whole country. And they said it totally brought the whole team together. Uh, and they just absolutely crushed it. Went on to win the NBA title. So sometimes these, like you said, preseason trips where you're you know you're sprinkling in two or three hockey games, but you're also coming together. You're you're touring places, you're stepping outside of your comfort zone into foreign countries, foreign atmospheres, foreign food, foreign language uh, that can really sort of bring you all together. And so maybe something like that is good for a team. Uh, well, any team. Um, so I'm, I'm not necessarily against that idea too, just from a, you know, unity um, perspective and bringing a, a roster together. So. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and, and it does, it does create, um, you know, further reach for NHL to, to buy product and so on, build the fan base and, and blah, blah, blah. So I think it's a good idea. I, and I also think, well, hey, and, and it's supposed to happen as soon as next season. So, you know, hey, if the Bruins win the cup, let's just say, let's just say the Bruins win the cup this year, it's a grind. They're going to play into uh, mid-June, you know, but maybe this is the type of trip and commodity that they would have to, like, revitalize another run another kick-ass season you know what i mean it's just it's, well, it just I mean, makes sense and and either way let's say uh let's say crazy doesn't come back bergeron doesn't come back 
you got uh, uh, some new rosters. You got young kids. Fabian Lizell is now on the roster. Now you are you're going to have new faces. You're going to have fresh players in the yep. lineup. It's not going to be the same group you always had. So now you're able to, you know, incorporate the new blood into what you already have. And what better way to do that than yeah. than going to uh, where they filmed Lord of the Rings? So um, <laughs> way to look at the other side of the coin, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we do have a, we, uh, there's a lot of trade stuff going on um, and a lot of really cool stuff happening with prospects. Um, and we do also have these uh, Twitter questions that we want to get to as well, but maybe now's a good time to take a quick break and hear from uh, our friends at betonline.ag, And then we can get into some of that other stuff. BetOnline.ag remains your number one source for all your Super Bowl betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at BetOnline. You'll find the latest odds and team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. With betting options for everything from the National Anthem to the Halftime Show and even the Gatorade Bath, BetOnline.ag is your Super Bowl headquarters this season. Head over to the betonline.ag website today or use your mobile device to check out the most comprehensive Super Bowl info on the web. Don't forget to use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit to get in all the action and betting this season. Betonline.ag is where the game starts. Let's go. I know you really don't care, Mark, but uh, you do you care about the Super Bowl? You gonna watch the Super Bowl? Do you no? <laughs> I don't do I don't do the football. I don't do I actually I don't do much of any sports anymore since I've I've like put the uh, the the needle in the vein of of hockey. That's all I do now. Tap my vein and give me as much hockey as I can. Um, yeah, I don't do any sports much any sports anymore. Like fo- football, actually, like like the drama. It really got to me, and especially the Tom Brady and the Patriots and and Deflate Gate and you're cheating this and you're cheating that. I literally it's exhausting, literally it's exhausting. It was I literally it was just so bad that I just kind of like lost lost touch with the sport. That's how it baseball was a, is. That's how it was a baseball. baseball. I just couldn't handle it anymore. I'm like I'm out. Yeah, baseball. You get a hangnail and you're out for freaking you know two weeks, <laughs> and you get a three hundred million dollar contract. Exactly. I, I, so I, I just kind of. I lost touch. I went. I went with the sport that I think is, you know, uh, gives the most heart, in my opinion. You know, and yeah. it's not just about the money. It's about the the heart, the team, and your organization. So, yeah, my my dad used to have these massive Super Bowl parties every year. I mean, I'm talking 40, 50 people at his house, and and you know, I'd go to the bank on a Saturday and ask for fifty singles. You know, <laughs> one of those. And uh, you know, since he's gone, we haven't really done it much. And it, I don't know. I always. Uh, I'm just not into it anymore. It makes me think of him, but you know, I can't try to duplicate what, what he used to create. So right. I'll probably just be s- sitting in the basement, but play the nachos and then I'll watch the first half and go to bed. But I'm, <laughs> I'm sort of out on it too this year. Uh, although yeah, the yeah, commercials, yeah. now that I teach broadcasting, I take notes on the commercials. And then Monday when I have my students, we will, we'll go through all the commercials and, you know, how they shot it, who is their target audience, you know, all that broadcasting stuff. So I like it from yep. that perspective. But no, And like you're looking at it as a marketing angle as well. Right. Yeah, we do a lot I like of that. that. Um, so let's take a quick look here at some of the trade action and some of the things that we were talking about. I think, I don't know about you, but 
much of my last night was refreshing Twitter to see what the hell was going on with a UFOs and B Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) All of a sudden we got UFOs everywhere. Um, And more importantly, Jacob Chikrin, uh, who was scratched uh, for the game uh, for Arizona for quote trade purposes. And uh, again, you know, the, uh, the experts not named Elliot Friedman, thank goodness. Uh, we're saying stuff like the Leafs were out, uh, the Kings threw cold water on it, the Oilers were out. Um, so I don't know. Uh, they never, nobody ever said the Bruins were out on Jacob Chikrin. So uh, do you do you want to see this happen, Mark? Do you think the payment's too much? Uh, what are your thoughts on on that situation? Yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see him involved. He's got term. He's got two extra years which I believe is going to garner a lot more than I think the Bruins can afford. Um, I, I don't think that it's just, just my personal opinion. I just don't think that the Bruins have what it takes to pull this up. You know, I think Arizona is going to want to get players that they want to immediately rebuild and so on. And I, I just don't think our cupboards are, are open enough for that. Uh, and I, I'm, I don't know if I'm ready to give away a Mason Lowry, a, a um, Fabian Lysel or a draft pick because we, we, I think we need these prospects moving forward. And I, if they're traded, I think that we're taking steps back when we need to replenish a prospect pool. Now I understand that Jacob Chikorin is a type of player that can help the future as well, but I, it's, it's a, there's a lot of, a lot of moving parts here when it comes to uh, a player like this and, and what, what could, you know, be had to get him in Boston. Now, there's there's some ties to this whole thing as well. Um, I, I'm hearing that the Los Angeles Kings are still in it, but they weren't in it last night because of Dustin Brown's freaking uh, retirement jersey. Yep, heard that. They too, don't yeah. want to. They don't want. I'm hearing they don't want to take the focus away last night of of everybody and Dustin Brown by bringing in a big trade news. So that that's just smart on their on their end as an organization. So, but if the if the Bruins are involved, I think that uh, Bill Armstrong, the Arizona GM, is going to heavily be leaning on former Providence uh, general manager and assistant general manager to Don Sweeney, John Ferguson Jr., who is out in Arizona right now. And actually, I'm hearing that he's been traveling um, uh, around with Providence. Real close. I mean, road games and home games. So, that um, something's enticing, or maybe this just they're doing their due diligence. Um, but who knows? Maybe something could happen in Boston. I don't know. But the price I think is going to be a little high, and um, I don't want to see a player like Mason Lowry get get dealt because I think he's going to be a real, real good defenseman, and probably, you know, maybe a. Uh, a, a person that could like f- seamlessly fit right into like Brandon Carlos freaking second line minute role in, in the future. So, and Lysel is your next best right wing. We don't have anything else down there, down on the farm. So I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about this whole thing. And I know that people are, are always like, you know, you don't want to give up prospects. You covered them too much. I just, I also, I, I get the whole win now. I totally understand that, but I also don't want to suck for the next five years. Yeah, I um, I think that there have been years in the past where 
we've looked at Bruins teams in, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth place. And have been like, if we just had one more piece, we're just one piece away. If we just, if we just get this one Yarmir Yager or the one, you know, whoever it is, we just need one more big piece to make, to get us over the hump. And I, I, I don't think this is the year for that. I think that it's not, I don't want to sit here and say we don't need Jacob Chikrin, but I don't think we need Jacob Chikrin. I think it's, it's more about depth. I think it's more about, break glass in case of emergency and, and, you know, the, the Luke Shens, um, you know, guys that aren't going to, like you said, they're not going to blow up your entire um, farm system and your entire draft capital just to get you a player like this. I just, I don't think it's necessary this year. It's not that I don't want the guy, but what the asking price is going to be to me just seems unreasonable for where they are in the standings and of how they're playing and everything else. And, if you wanted to upgrade something on the third or fourth line, or you wanted to get that top six, you know, the bottom uh, pairing defense, you know, you wanted to sub out a guy like Connor Clifton for player X. Okay. That's fine. But, or you just wanted a seventh defenseman and you bring in Greg Zanin. I love making Greg Zanin references. Um, <laughs> that to me is sort of more where they want to be rather than, rather than Jacob Chikrin. And realistically, you look at three, four years down the line, it's not like he's going to, I mean, you're, you're going to have McAvoy, you're going to have Lindholm, you're going to have, you would have Chikrin. So like somebody's not going to play as many minutes as they probably should or probably want to. So why even give yourself that headache? Um, I would be more in, inclined to go with, uh, I don't want to say the bargain basement, but you don't need an A plus player. You need a couple of B minuses and a C plus to fill out the bottom of the roster and, and get to where you need to be and, and, and pay accordingly, you know, get, yep. give up your assets accordingly to that. Um, same thing with a guy like Timo Meyer, who um, again, they keep, they keep talking about, and it was nice to see Timo Meyer and, and Brandon Carlo fight the other day. I thought to myself, well, he ain't coming to Boston now, um, <laughs> but you had an interesting take on Timo Meyer as in like, if you bring in Timo Meyer, what does that mean for David Pasternak? So, um, you know, do you want a guy like Timo Meyer? Do you think that's just going to mess with the cap and that's going to mess with the chemistry and all those other things we're talking about? Well, um, I know it's apples and oranges, but we, going back to talk about Jacob Chikorin, um, he's on a very cap friendly deal for, for a little over $4 million. He's 25 years old. You know, there's, there's good things about the player and so on, but there's also some bad things. I saw a clip the, uh, the other night of him, um, just whiffing on a defensive play. Just let a guy just like basically skate right around him. Um, kind of disincur. Not not too happy about seeing that. But um, uh, going to Timo Meyer, I just think that you know the qualifying offer and so on for his next deal is going to put the, the money f- for me out of uh, out of the equation. Because if you bring in Timo Meyer, I don't think you have the uh, the cap space next season to even consider bringing back a player like David Pasternak. So I'm, I, I, the money for me just doesn't add up. Um, and I don't think that I, I honestly don't think that the Bruins would be interested in kind of blowing up posh, uh, part of their roster to free up some, sp- uh, some space to, to make it all happen. And if you do that, now you're, now you're, you're past the, March third trade deadline on Pasternak, and now you're negotiating into the off season, which is even scarier. <laughs> so, 
I don't know. I'm kind of out on the whole Maya thing. Good player and so on. Love to see it if it could work, but I, I don't believe it is. It, it could work. Um, quick question for you, Mark, because I'm I'm curious about this. And they always talk about setting the market. And I look at that uh, Vladimir Tarasenko trade where a guy like Sammy Blaze, who was in, um, you know, he was in uh, uh, St. Louis before. Hunter Skinner, who, from my information, being a Thunderbirds guy, I, I don't even know if he's going to be in the AHL. I think he's going to actually get sent down to the ECHL. Um, a conditional first, a conditional fourth. And and they also got Nico Mikola, who's, again, sort of that defenseman we're talking about, bottom pairing, um, solid just solid defensive guy. So to me, uh, it seems like the Rangers kind of got a steal there. If I'm looking at that trade and I sub out Sammy blaze for, I don't know um, if that's Trent Frederick, say for instance, and then, you know, uh, you're giving up Trent Frederick and Jack, a Sean and a first and a fourth conditionally for Tarasenko and Mikola. I mean, I would, I'd probably consider that. Um, yeah. So do you think that the market is kind of set with, with that deal and and do you think that teams like San Jose and Timo Meyer are, are asking too much and and even they Chicago and, and Patty Kane for that matter they could be but Mike Greer a new GM out in San Jose is going to want to get something back to to you know increase that that rebuild on the west coast for him so um yeah but you know you do bring up a very valid point Steve is a lot of people are saying that they don't believe a lot of these deals are going to cost that much to get done. Um, it, but, you know, I'm just looking at the value of the player and what could what could happen, and I just don't see it. But I do have to consider that this is a weird market because the fact is that we actually don't know what the salary cap's going to be. I think it's going to be $1 million, or I think it's going to jump up to $4 million in the next year or two. So GMs definitely have to prepare for that moving ahead. And I know that every year – a GM is going to sit down and do the calculations year by year and not, you know, not over overall um, base their, their, um, their luck on, you know, expectations and, and where the cap could be. But still, you know, you look at that trade that brought Tarasenko to New York. I think New York was really serious at Patrick Kane, but that hip injury that he's going through right now was, it was a, was a no, no for that. And they took a chance on the right side with Tarasenko. So um, it's maybe, just, maybe a hip injury know. will drop the prices a little bit too. You know, I mean, sure. Sanko is coming out of injury too. Um, he, he missed a, a good chunk of the season this year with injuries. So yeah. maybe that that's a factor too. But would you want to trade assets for a guy that you, you, you know, that's going through a battling a lot. I mean, we had Brad Mosh in and in his hip injuries, but we had him under contract, you know, I don't, I'm not sure I'd take a flyer on Kane just because of that hip injury, because if you give up assets and then he gets hip checked and he's out for the rest of the season, you know, that would suck scenario. I hate when players get injured, but you gave up assets for basically nothing. It's just a, such a gamble. You know what I'm saying? I think that that was a gamble that the New York Rangers didn't want to, didn't want to play. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see Kane go to Buffalo just so I can see uh six foot 12 uh, Tage Thompson playing on a line with whatever he is, five, seven, five, eight, Patrick Kane. Yeah. That dynamic. Keep the cabbies away. Keep yeah. the cabbies away. Oh my God. I know. Seriously. <laughs> um, and one other quick thing on Arizona and, and for all of our listeners, can you imagine how much must it suck to be a fan of the Arizona car, uh, Arizona coyotes? I mean, I, I know they don't have many, but all this team does is suck to get draft picks. 
make huge draft picks, trade those players for more draft picks, get more draft picks, trade those, build those players up. It's just, a, it's a constant cycle of suck. It's like they're the, they're the, a farm team for the entire rest of the league. That's just gotta be yep. the most miserable place to be a hockey fan. And, and we talked about NHL reaching and trying to get all these other fan bases. There's nothing the NHL can do to make, that Arizona franchise, uh, at least nothing they've done so far to make them even remotely relevant. And it's, well, it's sad. I, I'd like to see them succeed, but what a, just what a, what a dumpster fire of suck it is down there. Yeah. Batman in the league to continue to take it on the chin on that decision. It's awful. But then again, but then again, they were, they were thinking about the, the, you know, the money in the market because I, I I've read several times that the Phoenix area or that metro area, whatever, is one of the top 10 mark, uh, viewing markets in the United States. And once they saw that, it was like, oh, we need to put a hockey team here. <laughs> yeah, and it's been since Jeremy Roenick was there that it's it's sucked. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess this will – I was going to ask you earlier, but I want to sort of go in some sort of sequential order here because when we look at prospects – um, a guy like uh, Merkulov down in Providence has been absolutely out of his mind. And when we talk about, we're talking about all these trade assets and we're talking about low rye and we're talking about um, Lysel is Georgie Mer- Merkulov reaching the point to where he provides value to another team because he's playing so well. And is he the kind of guy that you're starting to now look at, you know, since you follow Providence so closely, are you starting to look at this player and be like, boy, you know, next year he's going to be a factor when it comes to making roster decisions for the Bruins or, you know, what's his, what's his sort of state, not only with the Bruins, but also across the league in terms of, of, of trade value and the trade market. Well, I mean, hands, I mean, are you hands off? I don't, I'm not hands off. I mean, the way he's playing right now and if, and if uh, scouts are in the building and looking, that's a very attractive thing to watch and very encouraging uh, uh, for any negotiations between each side. Um, I will say that Jersey Merkulov is um, on a tear right now, absolutely on fire. He's got five straight games with goals um, and points. He's six, he has six goals, three assists, nine points in those five games. He has a uh, four game, he has four game winning goals in five games. He's been a threat on the power play with uh, with a one-time blast. Uh, his game with and away from the puck has been impressive to watch as he continues to develop. Um, but this is a um, – when I talk about the timing and perfect time, and Vinny Letary, who led the, the league uh, – team, sorry, babbling my words today. Sorry, Steve. Um, he led the Providence Bruins before getting injured uh, in, in goals and points. And um, – you know, obviously I have a lower body injury and is out, but Georgia Mikulov has now slotted into the center position where Letary normally was. Mikulov was uh, primarily on the uh, left side most of the season, but he was getting spot starts uh, as a center here and there, but nothing consistent. But now Letary's out of the lineup recovering. Mikulov moves to the middle and just like absolutely been on fire. Um, and just uh, uh, it's been really fun to watch. But yeah. That's an attractive piece if you're looking at the Bruins' depth. That's an attractive piece if John Ferguson Jr. is a, is following the team, looking at, hey, this is a player right now that could we could get in leverage if we need to make a move, if Boston wants to get rid of him and you know blah, blah, blah. 
Um, but on the other side of the coin, which you were talking about, Steve, is he could definitely be uh, a key piece or a key player in, in earning a spot next season after a successful training camp and preseason games and so on. Um, you know, we're going to have – there's going to be players that are going to be departing. I don't think – I think Thomas Nosek is pretty much going to um, uh, price himself out. So that opens up a spot uh, on a fourth-line center. Do you want a player like him, his size, his ability on the fourth line and grinding minutes? Who knows? Uh, but he can play the left side as well. So, that you know, his versatility – could play a bigger role on this team next season for the Boston Bruins, not just up the middle. And that also depends on like what you were saying earlier, if, 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 um, if Bergeron and Krejci don't come back, I think he could possibly be a, a, a key, a key member into one of those, um, you know, a, not a replacement, but somebody that could really try to um, try to capture that uh, Rasta spot. Yeah. I mean, when we, we talk about, the depth and trying to eventually these roster spots are going to have to be filled by guys like Bergeron and Krejci. They're going to leave some holes and, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's going to be Merkulov or Beecher or, you know, um, see Beecher Beecher, in my opinion, would be the type of guy that would fit right into a fourth line role. He's a big kid, big body throws his weight around. He can be a little more offensive you know, I think that sooner or later, give it a couple of years, but I think that he could be a Trent Frederick later on, not by fighting, not by beating ass and so on, but but that offensive capabilities that Frederick has shown this season. Yeah. Yeah. And and so maybe that's maybe that's that's the path too, rather than going and getting Ryan O'Reilly's and Bo Horvats, is that it's it's using these prospects. I mean, like you said, we we keep having the prospects and trading assets and whether it's Vakanainen or whoever it is, we keep trading off the assets as opposed to letting them develop. And I know we're not exactly the most patient fan base either, but <laughs> no, um, you know, I do think we're in a good spot here where if we can, if we can get one more year at a Bergeron before those holes start to open up um, for the guys like Beecher and Merkelov, et cetera, I, th- I think that that's going to be a really good spot, but I- I'm interested to see, you know, fast forwarding to training camp of next season and see which guys are pushing for that extra spot. Because like you said, I, I think Noshik's probably done here. I'm not sure, uh, you know, Craig Smith's going to be gone. I'm not sure what Felino's contract situation is, but there's going to be, there's going to be some space and they can either fill it with, uh, you know, another version of Thomas Nosik, or they can fill it with the young kids that they've drafted and developed. So um, yeah. it'd be very interesting. I know, to- I, Go ahead. I know, I know one thing is, is I don't, I want to see this Boston, regardless if they win a Stanley Cup this year or next year, I do want to see the Boston Bruins not, I want to see them give chances to the younger players. I want to see them at least get them out there, see what they have. And if they, if it, things don't work out, try to move them. But I just don't want to see any more of the, of the free agent signings that come in here for a million dollars because the only thing you know is that this guy has played in the league for like 10 freaking years and he's got experience and, you know, and, and, and he's going to push these younger players for those roster spots. And if those younger players don't get it, they go down to Providence and now we're stuck with a guy that is making a million dollars and probably not going to play well. So I don't want to see the Bruins organization do that. I just hate when they do that, the blocking because it bottlenecks the, the um, 
progression of the prospect pool, you know, that are basically knocking on the door of NHL, you know, consistency. Yeah. Or you just sign a player because he's from Beverly. Yeah. Uh, we go out and yeah. get the kid from Beverly. Yeah. Um, we don't, we don't need any more <laughs> of that either. So, um, no, I, I totally agree. Um, one other prospect having a nice little time. Shout out to Reed Dick. Is it Reed Dick? Is that how you say that? Yep. Reed Dick. Yep. Uh, first career WHL uh, shout out, uh, shutout for the Swift Current Broncos. Um, six round pick in, as we've talked about, the goalie pool is in really good shape. Any update, by the way? Uh, sorry, ADD kicking in. I know I saw you tweet that uh, Keith Kincaid might have been a little shaken up the other day. Uh, was that uh, last yeah, night, he's two nights ago. No, it was last night. He um he did something to his blocker hand, um and just kind of was holding it, holding it, shaking it, holding it. But then uh, he finished the game, so everything was fine Good. with that. Good. Uh, but going back to Reed Dick, um, he was snapped a four game losing streak, uh, which was kind of tough to watch. He gave up uh, five, six goals a game in the in that stretch. Um, and but it was good to you know snap out of it and 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 come come in and. And have the uh, Broncos uh, blank the um, the Prince Albert Raiders by the score of four to nothing, uh, and, and it's good on on Reed for his confidence to get his first WHL um, a no no. But also, um, a lot of people are, are, are criticizing his numbers in the WHL, and I I kind of think that's unfair. I understand that you know winning and losing is important to development, but it's not the all the it's not the end all be all. Um, the reason why he was picked, uh, and a lot of people were were confused by this, saying that we are we have enough goaltenders, we don't need any more, is I, I believe that Mike Dunham and, and Bob Asenza were were key on this one, saying that you know we should get this kid and, and work with him. You know his upside is a lot better. His professional upside is a, is a lot better um, than a lot of people think about how he's playing uh, the past couple of years in the WHL because. Basically, this is his own first year as a legitimate starter. So um, he will be playing one more year in, in Swift Current, um, you know, and, until he gets traded or whatever. But still, uh, he's a he's a piece that the Bruins continue to love to work on, and and his his height and size are important. I mean, they they're really gravitating to guys that are six four, six five, six six these days, and and they're getting great results from Azenza and uh, and Dunham. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty amazing to see this and uh, see this kind of progression um, of the goalies. And as you said, it, there's no real rush, right? Because I mean, he's got, um, you know, he's got that uh, that time to develop based on the guys that are in front of him in the depth chart. So you might as yep. well. It's not like we got to rush rush him around. So um, that's great. That's great. We'll we'll certainly see what else. Uh, we'll, we'll be we'll keeping track of it. And again, Bruins fans are just so lucky to have. Um, guys like you, Mark, that are following these things. I mean, I can't, I can barely find out who St. Louis drafted, never mind where they are and what they're doing to find out who the next Thunderbirds are going to be. It's, it's very frustrating, but you know, what are you going to do? Um, right. So, uh, just one more time, we do have a the listener hotline, um, 978 504 2727, 978 504 2727. You can give us a call anytime, day or night, um, if you have a hot take that you want to give us. Um, we do also have a hashtag ask BNG, um, which you can, uh, that's on Twitter. You guys can shoot us, uh, any questions, comments, thoughts that you have about anything. 
Um, and before the show ends, of course, we'll hear from uh, we'll, we'll talk some Patreon as well and some of the great things that uh, we have for you, the listeners. Uh, but, Mark, we do have a couple of ask B, hashtag AskBNG questions. I don't know if you want to get to those. Yeah, so James Rosano, um, Rosano, yeah, I think that's his name. Um, he comes in and says, love the podcast. Disappointed with Hall. Acquired um, a top six. Now stuck on third line. He belongs with 88 and 46. I think Hall needs that motivation and skill to be effective. His skills are wasted on the third line. Six million dollar a year third line player, luxury player. Hashtag AskBNG. Um, I'm going to push back a little bit on uh, James's uh, AskBNG. Um, and thank you, by the way, for for providing us one and and the uh, kind words of the podcast. Um, but I think Hall does good on the third line. I think Hall. Coyle and Frederick have been the best third line in the league, to be honest with you, when they have the opportunity to play together. Um, and at, at, at this age where Hall is, I don't think he's picky on where he's playing. Um, he said several times in interviews that he, he really enjoys the game that is provided by, um, by Charlie Coyle up the middle, his possession style and it rubs off on players like Hall and Frederick that they also have to be good uh, puck possessors. And, um, you know, I think that his his secondary scoring, which might be a lack thereof right now, but I think that is a, is a key element when, when he has opportunity to, to get involved and, and crash the net a little bit on that line as well. And the third line traditionally matches up against, you know, some of the league's better lines out there. So, I don't think it's the all the end all be all. I just think that a lot of people think of Taylor Hall as he as he should be scoring more, and by doing that, putting him with with better talent talent higher up in the uh, in the food chain per se. But I don't think Hall's game's that that bad. I think his his game away from the puck, in my opinion, has been tremendous to watch. I mean, when 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 he needs to like back check, wow, he's got the legs to really move and be effective back checker. Um, so I think that there's a lot of other avenues of the, of his game that are good over, over the bad. I, I think some fans get gripe with hall because, well, for a couple of reasons, number one, he's, 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 he's very emotionless. Like he, whether he's playing good or he's playing bad, he kind of has the same look on his face. He doesn't over celebrate. He's not a trash talker. He's not like a fight. He's, he's, just, he seems like a very emotionless guy. And that's not a good he's, thing or a bad thing. In fact, a lot right. of times it's a good thing, right? You know, a guy like Krejci is also very emotionless. Yeah. Um, but he's also very streaky. So, you know, when Taylor Hall was was really crushing it, there weren't really a lot of these complaints. And, you know, he does the roller coaster. He goes kind of up, goes kind of down. So um, I think maybe he is in a little bit of a lull in terms of, of offensive production. But like you said, that doesn't mean he's not doing any of the other things that don't show up on the score sheet. Um and, and lastly, uh, I think that a lot of, well, athletes in general, but hockey guys are, are creatures of habit. And I think that, like we talked about earlier, once you get DeBrusque back and the lines settle themselves the way that they were and there's not as much bouncing around and, and, and things changing, uh, I, th- I think that's when he'll, he'll start, you'll see him with a little bit more production. Once that consistency comes in terms of 
how the lines are on a game by game basis. Um, like you said, playing with Frederick and Coyle is great until they move Felino up or until Coyle has to go up, right? Or until things change. Yep. So I, the, the more consistent the lines are, I think the better he'll play. And the, the lines will only get consistent once everybody's healthy. And that includes Jake DeBrusque. So DeBrusque comes back, the rest of the lines fall into place. I think it'll be the same old Taylor Hall that we've been seeing the, the first half of the year. Yeah, well said. All right, the second hashtag, AskBNG, is from Clockwork Angels. Thank you very much for the um, for the um, submission. Uh, this person says, one three and one record in the last five with the trade deadline less than three weeks. Seems like a uh, good topic. We talked about this earlier and how, uh, and how this looks, and we get it. Um, we just hope that things get better, you know, with the upcoming road trip. Uh, two games, uh, one against Dallas this week, and then another one. I just don't remember who they're playing. Nashville, Nashville, Nashville yeah. Yeah. So, so nice little trip down south for them. Hopefully, they can shake the rust and so on, um, and get back on track. Because, like we said earlier, the schedule is now going to look like more of a, a playoff type of um, you know layout, landscape, whatever. Um, and I think that it's going to be that's going to be beneficial to them because they're not going to have multiple days off where they can get out of a trend. And I'm not saying that they're not working out and they're, you know, they're eating barbecue and drinking beers and so on. But, you know, sometimes when it's repetitive, repetitive motion is sometimes when you don't do things for a little while, it takes a little while to get back on track. And I think that yesterday's game was, was definitely a rush shaker and a, and a wake up call because I know Monty's going to be on, on their case, trying to get the best out of them for Dallas uh, which is, you know, a contender out in the, out in the West. Yeah. And, and, you know, the numbers, like I mentioned earlier, the numbers are, are what they are, but I mean, that, that road trip where they, they had their first loss against Tampa, that game was almost three and a half weeks ago. So like we have to factor in this, this, this long trip, uh, this long break that they've had this 10 days off that they've had has, I, I, I just, I have a hard time, like to me, it is one loss in a row post bye week. Mm-hmm. That's sort of how I look at it rather than four out of five. If you want to look at it four to five, that's fine. But let's also remember it's four out of five. You're still in first place. It's not seven out of eight. It's not you've lost eight out of 10. It's not that you've lost 10 out of 12, right? If this starts to snowball, I think it'll be an issue. But, you know, one, three, and one out of in the last five games over the course of three and a half weeks is um, not the worst thing in the world. Um, like I said, you lose, you lose your next five out of six. Now we're talking, you know, but, yeah. but it, as long as we are, you know, as long as they can write this ship a little bit, you know, they come back, they, they sweep, they sweep the Dallas Nashville trip. Nobody even cares that they're four out of five. Right. So um, don't let it snowball. That's to me is the only thing you gotta, you gotta not let it snowball. If you got to grind out a couple, you got to grind out a couple, but let's remember that, um, they played three incredible, three very, very good teams. In fact, four very good teams between Tampa, Florida, Carolina, and and uh, Washington. So you're not you're not losing to the basement. You know you're losing to good teams, playoff teams, teams that you're going to see. So do they need to play better against playoff teams? Yes, of course they do if they want to go to go all the way here. But um, it, it's not like they're they're falling off the map and oh by the way it's not like they're getting blown out either it's not like they're losing right. six one seven one and they're just right 
falling asleep at the wheel, right? So they're competitive. They're against good teams. I wouldn't really worry about it too much. What's next, my man? Uh, well, that uh, and just a reminder, we do have uh, that uh, hashtag ask BNG. So feel free uh, next week uh, during the week, day or night. You have any questions, you can uh, hit us up on that thing and we would be happy to uh, to play your question or read your question. And again, thank you to everybody for um, for their contributions. We appreciate those two that came in. Oh, we Some, have messages. Um, yeah, we have two of them. Sorry. Oh, perfect. Awesome. I, yeah, I didn't know we had any. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's hear from the people. My bad. All right. So this is from Mike Sullivan. He works for us at the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast and uh, the, our production sports media company. So here's Mike with his question. And I know we kind of regurgitated this a couple of times uh, talking about Chikrin, but uh, he's he wrote an article recently about uh, it makes sense to get a player like this. But um, let's hear his question. Hey, Mark. Uh, Mike Sullivan here calling in from Vermont. Um, I just got a quick question for you. If you have to give up Lysel and possibly Lori for Chickern, would you do it? And if not, what package can you see the Bruins giving up to get Chickern on the team? Thanks. Love the pod. Bye. Right, interesting question. I'm not good at like packages and so on. We like going the other way and blah, blah, blah. What, what could be enticing to somebody else? Um, I, I really don't know, Mike, um, but I will kind of answer your question on that. I would hate to see them lose a player like Lowry or a player like Lysel uh, just because of the future. Uh, and But I know that we're in a win now situation and that's pretty much going to, going to grab everybody's attention now. Um, but I don't know. That's a that's a tough one for me because I I I see them on the mar- I see them as market value members and I see them as great potential um, organizational players. So that's a really tough one for me. But you know, if you have to give to get, yeah, I could see it happening. But I'd rather not. <laughs> I I just think the Bruins are in such a unique position here to where they have they don't have a lot of holes on the NHL roster and then they have a lot of halfway decent prospects. And I yep. know we've said in weeks past, don't change a thing. Um, I I don't see the need for a guy like Chikrin. I, I just, based on what it's going to cost, I, I don't see it. Like you, Mark, I want to I want to see what these prospects have. I'd hate to give up, Mer- you know, Merkulov, Lizell, Lowry, and have them go out there and to Arizona. And then, of course, three years from now, I'm sure Arizona will sell them off too. And, um, you know, but I... I I think that I think the the pieces that they need are smaller, not bigger, um, and so I would hate to see something like that happen. I would like to. The order of operations for me is to first of all sign Pasternak to keep Lizell. Yes. If I'm Lizell, I'm watching that contract situation closely. Why am I here if they're not going to pay the guys? Um, yep. So I would trade. I would, your top priority should be Pasternak, and then the rest of it should be Greg Zanins. <laughs> There it is. Ding. <laughs> thanks, Mike, for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Um, the next one is our boy, Downtown Boosie. He is from the Only Bruins Hockey Podcast here on the Black and Gold Productions um, Podcast Network. And uh, he's a great person. Follow the show at Only Bruins 1. But here is uh, my boy. He's probably in one right now because he loves to tilt back those beers. What's up, fellas? It's your boy, Downtown Boosie. Um, wanted to chime in on this episode with uh, Mark and Steve. 
You guys are doing a great job, but I just need to know, as we're getting closer and closer to the trade deadline, who do you guys want? What are you guys thinking? Horvat's off the uh, table. Tarasenko's off the table. Do you guys want a rental? Do you guys want one, Want someone for the future? Let me know. Keep up the great work, fellas. Downtown boozy. I like yeah. that. Yeah, that sounds a, like a guy a I want to go hang out with. Oh, dude. Yeah, he, he gets after it. He has a lot of fun. Uh, he's my boy. I've hung out with him several times, and uh, we've been – We've been good friends for a couple of years now, and he's just a good character. One of the very, very few people that I I really appreciate um, meeting on Twitter. And I don't meet people on Twitter. <laughs> but, uh, no, he's he's cool as shit. But to answer his question and, and, and to follow up on something that you said, is Steve, is, um, is this – I don't think that this Boston Bruins team desperately needs to – make a huge splash in the trade market. Like I would actually go for like the smaller move. Like, yeah, I would, I don't think that Craig Smith has done enough to revitalize his career here in Boston or, or even get a, a sniff of a, a contract extension. So I would look at something on, you know, the right side, maybe a rental and so on, but nothing that's going to cost you a, a, an arm and a leg. And also on the defense, I go back to like several podcasts in my interest in a player like Luke Shen on the back end. I think that he provides that nastiness, that playoff type of, of grind that the Boston Bruins might be looking for. And, and he could be, I think he could be a, um, a piece that's, that doesn't cost an arm and a leg either. Um, and you, with those small moves, like like even like a a, a Barbashev or a Nolachari or something like that, I just don't think that the price is going to be so high that you can still you can still bank on your future with the prospects like we we're talking about. We don't we know that you have to give to get, but we also don't want to don't want to like for the next couple of years hear the narrative of oh we suck this and that oh we shouldn't have got rid of all our prospects because. I know for a fact this this fan base is so bipolar that they'll be like, I want a Stanley Cup now, and then next year they don't even get in the playoffs, and then they're going to rip the team for not for giving away all their prospects. <laughs> it's yeah. how it works. It's right. it's how it works. Um, yeah, the only uh, – I mean, if you want just a couple names, because, uh, again, I'm not looking at the top tier. I'm looking sort of lower. Um, financially, I don't think you can get Anthony Duclair – out of Florida, I think he's a little too expensive. Um, a guy that I've I've really thought underachieved his entire career, uh, who might be available is Shane Gostisbehere. Um, we yeah. talk about defensemen out of Arizona. I think that that's a guy that can slot into your. You know, he would probably replace Clifton, making Clifton your seventh defenseman, and now you're immediately getting offensive production uh, and some pretty good defense right there next to uh, next to Forbort. And uh, Gavrikov out of Columbus or Sean yep. Corrali out of Columbus. Those are those are the two. Again, Corrali's not going to cost you much. At least he shouldn't. Um, and he's been here. He knows the drill. Yep. And and again, Gavrikov. Again, I'm looking at the bottom three defensemen. And I'm looking at the bottom two lines at forwards. I, I wouldn't really touch much uh, any higher than that, just based on what the price is going to be and the chemistry. Yep, absolutely. And, and thank you, um, Nick, uh, Downtown Boosie of the Only Bruins Hockey Podcast for the submission. Thank Mike Sullivan from Something Bruin Hockey Podcast. Him and Nick Melanson do a fantastic job every week. 
And also, please jump in on these phone calls. The number is 978-504-2727. It's very easy. 24-7 worldwide. Doesn't matter. Call in. Um, and we'll do our best to to make uh, this a weekly segment. And uh, we actually like the uh, technologies that we have now to do this. So, you know, even the hashtag AskBNGs, if you don't want to do your audio, you have an outlet to to get your voice heard by by text. And we'll read them off and, and try to, our best to uh, to answer them for you. So, by the way, can I give you one more name? The guy that I like sure. is uh, sure. Jesse Puliyarvi. Uh, cheap money, one year, three million dollar deal. Massive human. Um, would probably love the taste of playoff hockey once he actually got it. Because again, you got the you got the best player on the planet in Edmonton, and they can't even make the playoffs. It just goes to show what signing the one big player does to you. McDavid can't even get his team into a playoff spot. Um, uh, Puliu Yarvi, I'd love to make that move, and I can't cost you too much either. Actually, I want to shout out um, my friend Ange from the uh, the Born Bruin Hockey Podcast and at Born Bruin Media. Um, he was actually one that was on the uh, Only Bruins Hockey Podcast with uh, with Nick and uh, as a guest this week, and uh, he was talking about Jesse Pugliarvi, uh coming out of Edmonton and so on. So I wanted to give him a shout out because I I actually heard that and I was like, wow, that's actually really not a bad idea. And it's more or less like those under the radar um, deals that it's not going to like cost you an arm and a leg we, like we constantly talk about. So, and, and I just don't think that we need like huge moves. I just think that we need the, these these small puzzle pieces to fit the whole picture together. Agreed. You know, I mean, I just don't think it's. I, I just think a lot of people they have that mentality of we need to win this year that they're putting all. I mean, they're putting all the chips in on this. And I just don't think that a lot of those people are prepared for what could happen after. Well, and and even things, if it doesn't happen. But those two things aren't separate. Like, just because you're in a win-now mode doesn't mean you have to go out and sign the biggest free agent or right. to get the biggest trade piece. or sign. Like, you can be in win-now mode and not mortgage the franchise if the team exactly. that you currently have is good enough to do that. And I think right now the team is currently good enough to do that. Like, right. you don't you don't need this massive thing you just need a couple of lee stempsniaks and a greg a greg zan yeah well pretty much what i was gonna say is like is like you know um the tampa bay lightning for the past couple or a couple of years ago they didn't go out and get like this pavel dotsuk player that's gonna put them over the edge offensively they went out and got a guy named and you call him a big baby not too long ago uh um Pat big greg Bat yeah, Maroon. Bat Maroon, yeah, they went out gotten him for a million dollars, and he's got two Stanley Cups with him. So, I just think it's those types of moves that I think that can can put this team over the threshold. You yeah, know, I, I mean, I, I I love I love the idea of like putting the PlayStation Five on and throwing some some ideas out there, and oh, a team accepted it on a video game. Let's run with it online. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. Real life, my friends. It sure is. All right, let's uh, let's see what we got from uh, from Patreon and and something that uh, we got going on for our listeners, Mark. Yes, we do have a Patreon account, and please, we would love to have you donate one dollar per episode. One dollar goes to buying more stuff to give away every month, and the other half of your dollar 
goes to help us pay the the bills here at the Black and Gold Production Sports Media Company. So this month it is February, so we are giving away this hand signed, fully authenticated Rick Middleton jersey. Uh, beautiful done. This is from uh, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, and uh, Bruce Sullivan, a good friend over at Bruce Sullivan. Shout out! What up? What up? Um, so for get this mailed to you. I do have to. Uh, get my ass on getting these stuff mailed out. It's been a little busy lately, but um, like I said, patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast. It's only a dollar folks. We record four episodes a month. So it's $4 an investment. We might do six episodes, but it's, it's, it'll be under $10 a month. It's not that crazy. And we appreciate everybody that has, has um, financially supported us over the years. We have so many great people. We have over 60 Patreons. And it really does help us out. So if you want to win some hand-signed um, jerseys from a, a, an alumni player or a current player, um, please jump on board because it's, uh, it's actually pretty cool. So, And we'd appreciate it. I was poking around his website. He's got some awesome stuff on there. I mean, music lovers, there's stuff there too. I mean, Doug Flutie and Chris Ford and Teddy Bruschi and just all kinds yeah. of cool stuff. So definitely check out uh, check out what he's got going on over there. It's great stuff. Yeah, and, and it's all it's all official. The guy videotapes Ray Bork signing jerseys, and you know it, it's 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 very official. People do not have to worry about you know getting um, authenticity. You know, don't worry yeah, about authenticity. You know, it's authentic. Exactly. This is all stuff that he does. This is his business. This is what he does. So, and he's a great guy. So, and I'm getting two more jerseys from him. He recently had a sit down with Adam McQuaid former Boston Bruins and former Boston Bruin Sean Thornton. So I'm going to get two of those jerseys to add into uh, the giveaways for future months to go. So we have the Rick Middleton jersey this this month. Next month is March, and we have the Terry O'Reilly because Terry O'Reilly is a bad Irishman. So uh, we could be giving that away and uh, and much more. So uh, please uh, support us and, um, and and win some free stuff. It's awesome. I'm still afraid of Adam McQuaid. Did I tell you what happened when I met Adam McQuaid at the garden? Nope. I was up on ninth floor doing PA announcing and I have a, just enough time to go to the restroom and back. So I go into the restroom, open the door, the door slams into somebody on the other side. Oh, I look around the corner and freaking McQuaid is staring down oh, at me. I'm no. like, Oh, I do not need to go into the bathroom anymore. All of a sudden. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, Slender right. Door on Adam McQuaid. Not a good idea. Oh man. Well, I guess we're not getting on him on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to, so I can say sorry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> That's funny. But anyway, but uh, this was great. This is a great one. Episode three seventeen. A lot of energy today. Um, you know, for it being a relatively quiet week, Mark. I think we covered a lot of bases here. Yeah. Made people laugh. Made people cry. Absolutely. You know, a little, little bit of everything. Um, we do appreciate all of our listeners. Again, every every subscribe, every listen, every view uh, means the world to us. You know, we we uh, we do this because it's fun, but we do it to keep you guys entertained. And you know, whether you're sitting in traffic or just unwinding on a Tuesday night or whatever it is, uh, we really appreciate you guys tuning in and, and making us a part of your day, a part of your night, a part of your commute, whatever it is. Um, so thank you everybody so much for tuning in um mark as always this is a pleasure man i have so much fun doing this yeah dude I'm, i i i miss you when you have a week off it's like it's like my binky you know like my you're like my guide 
<laughs> and like, you know, and, and Phyllis, like we try, whenever we have stuff going on, we try to hook something up. I mean, part of the problem yeah. is, is I was out Sunday and then, you know, I have Thunderbirds Friday, Saturday, or, you know, the schedule is just, just tricky sometimes. So yeah, um, we do try to make it work as best we can. And next week, like you said, it's going to be a little funky because I'm going to Disney World. Um, yeah. So, you know, but we're going to try. We'll try to make it work. We'll find a time and and see what we can do and um, give the people, again, people are just like uh, Taylor Hall. They want consistency. So the more consistent yeah. we can be with our episodes, the happier the people will be. So um, we'll do our best every week to do what we can. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. And uh, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Give us a follow. Mark is at Black and Gold 277. I am at PA Voice 413. And of course, you can um, follow the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast and everything that BNG has to offer articles, uh, news, commentary, everything you need. Again, if you are a young writer, uh, uh, maybe not even a, a writer, but you're just somebody who loves, eats, breathes, sleeps hockey. Um, reach out to Mark. We have plenty of spots available for writers, for podcasters, um, any way to get your voice heard. Uh, we can do that for you here at BNG. So feel free to reach out to us at any time. And until then, thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Black and Gold Pod, at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.